The Lord. So we're here in Mark chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse number 35. And you know, the, the, the title of this message is The Doorkeeper, but the, as you go through the Word of God, one of the things that you see is that uh, God uses imperfect vessels. Amen? Somebody say hallelujah. Because we're all imperfect. We could sit there and on our high horse and be, start criticizing folks, but God uses imperfect folk. And he perfects them through the Holy Ghost. But God uses fishermen and tax collectors and stutterers. And he uses, you know, the people that were unlearned. And, I mean, he uses all kinds of people. He uses imperfect people. I don't think, you know, Peter likes it too much that it's recorded that he denied Christ three times. I don't, you know, I don't think Jonah loves it that it's recorded that he went to Nineveh, you know, roundabout way. I don't think that, you know, we, we, we sometimes forget about the imperfections of some of the people. And then you look at the disciples, and you see there's even some imperfections there. As I talked about with Peter, he, he denied Christ three times. And, well, Judas certainly had an imperfection, right? Cost him his life and his soul. But we see throughout the life of the disciples times when they missed it. And there's a time here that we're going to look at what James and John did. In verse number 35 of Mark chapter 10, they, they had a request. They had a petition. And, you know, and, and, and we're not going to, because they're more than likely, they're going to be seated at the, at the front of the class, right, in heaven. But, but they had a petition. And I just ask you, if you had one thing you could ask God, what would it be? Right? You know that you can ask God anytime. Prayer is asking God. But if you were, if you were standing with Jesus, right, and look, here's their, here, here it is in verse number 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would you that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. So the, the, the request from James and John was not just to go to heaven, but it was to be at the front of the class. It, it, it was to be literally on the, on the very right hand and left hand of Jesus in his glory. It, in, in other words, they wanted the prestige. They, they wanted that, that place that God had reserved for who knows who, but it, there was something in them that desired the prestige and the notoriety. If you want to relay it down into our world in the way that we would look at it, is that, that prestige and popularity sometimes does more carnage in the church than you can shake a stick at. Prestige and popularity is, you know, if, if, if it's often been said that if the enemy can't get you through, through lust and covetousness, he'll get you through popularity and greed. Popularity and greed, what we will do for people's affections. And, 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 and you look at their, their request here, and they, they, of course, they eventually get it right, but let's learn the lesson. They eventually get it right, would you agree? But let's learn the lesson with them. Sometimes we get tempted for attention. And sometimes in the church world, and sometimes in our own life, if the right people don't recognize us, if the right people don't thank us, if the right people don't love us, if the right people don't ask us to dinner, if the right people don't text us or call us or write us, or, or just be nice to us, 
It hurts our feeling. Because you know you only got one feeling left, right? That, that one last feeling, they hurt it. And, and you see, James and John, their request was to sit on the right and on the left. And, you know, sometimes people will give their right arm for popularity. They say that about people in Hollywood. They sell their soul to the devil. You heard that phrase? They sell their soul to the devil. And do you know that there's a lot of people in the church world that will sell out for popularity? There's a lot of people that will compromise in order to make people like them. It happens all the time in the church. We're going to hit home, don't worry. But there's a lot of times when you know what is right, but you don't say it because you still want them to be your friend. That's a, that, is, that is a desire for prestige and popularity run amok. Prestige and popularity. In other words, it is a desire to have the affection of men rather than the affection of God. It is, it is that desire to be highly esteemed in the world. And that desire has, has run so much carnage in the church and in ministries and, 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 and throughout the bride of Christ through the ages. People will sell their souls. People will sell their souls. Now, you may not be in Hollywood and you may not sell your soul to get in a movie. But you know what? Sometimes you can be a sellout. You know what I mean by that? A sellout is someone who, 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 who will give anything for something. See, sometimes in our, in our generation, people will sell out for more money. What, what do I mean by selling out for more money? Whatever it takes. Not being, not, not being at home, not going to church, not doing this, not doing that, but doing whatever it takes to get more money. You know, sometimes the enemy will tempt you with a better job. To get you away from the church, I've said it a lot of times in services. But I, I, you know, I quit praying for some folks to get jobs because inevitably, when they get the job, they stop coming to church. And the enemy sometimes does that in people's lives, and he gives them a a, a promotion or a better position. But oh, now they can't come to church anymore. That ex- extra cash in the wallet was more valuable than their consecration with God. People will sell their soul, and, and, and look, if your ox is in a ditch, the Bible says get it out the ditch. God understands when you're in a bind, you got to work extra to get out of something, but it's when it's our way of life is what we're talking about. Selling that soul, sometimes people sell their soul for more money. They'll, they'll, they'll preempt everything of God in order to get that extra paycheck. We know people that will, you know, can't, can't do that, got to work. Can't do that, got to work. Can't do that, got to work. And selling our soul for more money. Others, others will do it for friends. Others will do it for friends. They, you know, if your friends don't like the fact that your church preaches against certain sins, well, you won't go to that church anymore. You see, you're, it, it's that selling of the soul for things. Some people do it for attention. Some people will, will give their right arm for attention. And others, it's just a, an, an act of self-righteousness. But the reality is, you see that James and John here were, were wanting to be seen of men. And the reality is, is that, that, that desire still plagues the church today. There are some people that just want to be seen of men. In, in other words, there's no time that it's just you and God. Everything that you do is broadcast. Everything that you do, you have to be seen on. 
You see, you actually have your best prayer time, your best worship, your best time in the Word when you're by yourself. Not to negate the time in the house of God, but if all of your prayer, all of your worship, and all of your time in the Bible is done in church, you're doing it wrong. I'll never forget that, you know, one person, they would leave their Bible, their only Bible at church. What are you doing when you go home? That's supposed to be where you and God are. We're, you know, we have to get past that. And, and, but the reality is that some people will, will, will co-opt the, the things of God in order to be seen of men. And you see this desire that they had, one to sit on the right and one to sit on the left, it, it went above it went above just a desire to be with Jesus. It went above a desire to be with Jesus. It went to the place of where they wanted preeminence and they wanted to be seen. And Jesus rebuked them. Jesus said, it's not, it's not for me to give. It's already, been, it's already been, you know, it's already reserved for somebody. So the, the request was out of line. They didn't get the request as far as we know. But what we do know is that there's that same tendency in the church today. There's that same tendency in the church today. Some people, some people will give their soul. Some people will sell out in order to gain with the world. You see this in the church today because we've incorporated so much of the world into the church. We've incorporated the way of the world. We've, we look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, sing like the world, dress like the world, and yet we expect people to think that we're not of the world. When, when, when the divorce rate in the church is higher than in the world, when the church accepts the same thing that the world accepts just because the Supreme Court says it's okay, when, when the church goes down that road, we've missed the mark of living holy and unto God. We've missed that mark of being that separate people, that people called out from among them, that salt and light people, the people that have been set apart for God's holy purpose, for God's divine purpose. We've missed the calling on our life because we've sold out in order to gain the attention of men because we just can't handle it when people hate us but God loves us. We would rather compromise on God's love for us and have the adoration of men. And it happens over and over and over and over. And as I said earlier, this desire inside the church has wreaked carnage in ministries and in churches. It'll split a church. It'll divide a home. It will, it will do all kinds of carnage. And the reality is that sometimes people will, will and, and I think, you know, one of the things that the Lord gave me about this was, some, you know, a, a lot of times people will sell their soul for, their, for that money. You know, when, when, when we would rather have worldly gain than godly gain, we've missed the mark. It's not that money's evil, it's the love of money. It's the love of money. It's, it's misappropriating what it's there for. It's misappropriating the purpose of it. It's putting that purpose above God. It's not that fishing's wrong. Sometimes we put that above God. It's not that laying on the couch and watching TV sometimes is wrong, but it's when we do that instead of going to church. Instead of, instead of coming and, and entering into the house of God and honoring God and glorifying God, it's when we keep ourselves back from God. I want you to know, you may, you may be like, well, I, I don't need to be there. Well, the bride of Christ needs you to be there. We encourage one another. We build one another up. The more this here, the more firepower we got. 
One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand to flight. The more folks, the more folks, the more firepower. The Lord will pour out the Holy Spirit on a church that's consecrated and ready. But if you want to absent yourself from that, then you're 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 you know you're um, going against what God says. Uh, one of the things that God says is that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. In Hebrews chapter number ten. Amen. So let's look at something real quick. We're going to move uh, two chapters backwards to Mark chapter 8. One of the things that Jesus had told them, this is one of the reasons why I believe Jesus didn't answer their request the way that they wanted to, because he had already told them something else. See, our, our, generation, our generation has a lot of people that are, that are out for prestige and popularity. In other words, you know, if, if, if you, it, it doesn't matter what you say as long as you're popular. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you're popular. But popularity is going to burn away with this world. And, and, and honestly, the people that are popular in heaven have never been popular on earth. The people that are popular in heaven have never been popular on earth. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said about that. He said, you know, that... that um, Whenever, uh, the, whenever the demon, the sons of Sceva were trying to cast out the demon, they said, uh, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And he said his goal was to be known in hell more than on earth. His goal was to be known more in hell because that, hell knows when, you, when you're real deal. As those demons said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And then they leapt on that son of, the sons of Sceva. And, and, and you see, the, the true prophet would rather be known in the spirit world than in the natural world. And when it comes to heaven, when it comes to glory, one of the things that we've got to understand is that the peop, when, when people are adored on earth, they may not exactly be adored in heaven. Amen? But let's look at this, what, what Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 8. And we'll begin in verse, um, let's start with verse number 34. It says, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want to point one thing out before we move on. We got three more verses to cover on this section, but I want to point this out. Jesus said for you and for me to deny himself ourself herself whatever you are but himself not not a, not only denying your sin right i got that anger problem i got that one thing it's not just denying that one thing it's denying you you your flesh it is coming to the end of your flesh if you're going to come after Jesus, you can't come after him with yourself. Yourself has to be denied. And one of the problems we have in the church is when I just think this, and I just think that, and I'm not down with this, and I'm not down with that. It's about me, it's about self, it's about I, and those are the things that Jesus said to deny. Jesus said, deny yourself. If you want to come after Jesus, we have to come to the end of ourself, our opinions, what we think, what our flavor is, and we have to come to him. Denying self 
and letting him create in us a new spirit, a new heart, a new mind with new desires, with holy desires. Now, one of the things that we see in this next part, it says in, in verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. You see that? You want to hold on to self, you're going to lose. You're going to lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Verse 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, one of the things, this theme, and, 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 and I got somewhere I really want to take you, so bear with me. But one of the things that I want you to see in this scripture is that it, it is possible for us to hold on to self to the point where we lose out with God. It's possible for us to hold on to self so much that we lose out with God. And God doesn't want that for you. Jesus wants you to come after him, but you can't come after him with self. You've got to come to that cross and let self die. Just like it says in baptism, yourself has to be buried with him in the baptism of his death and come out of that water a new person. No longer about my, my flavors, you know. I, I, I like, you know, I like green. I like purple. It's not about that in the kingdom of God. It's not about that. In, it's not about who gets to sit on the right and who gets to sit on the left. It's not about who gets to wear a cowboy hat in heaven and who don't. It's not, about who, it's not about whose house is on the corner of this street and whose house is on the corner. It's not about that in heaven. We, we lose all that. When you come to the cross, lose self. You might say, I, I ain't got there this time. Time is short. Time is short. And we've got to make ourselves ready for the return of the king. Ready for the return of the king. What's it going to profit you? To hold on to that self. Come on now, think. That self is what got you into sin. And what will it profit you to hold on to that self and lose your soul? It won't profit us nothing. And, and look at the next verse. It says, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I see that's the part. How many people short-circuit themselves? How many people cut off eternal gain for temporal satisfaction? How many people cut themselves off from what God wants to do in them in an eternal perspective for a temporal gain? Well, it's, it, that happens whenever we absent ourselves from the house of God. It happens when we absent ourselves from our prayer life. It happens when we absent ourselves from praying in the Holy Ghost, studying the Word of God, obeying God. It happens when we absent ourselves from doing the Great Commission, from getting involved in the advancement of the kingdom. It happens when we step back in our holy consecration to God and we let self step forward. And one of the things that I see in the church is that there's many in the church that would rather be popular with their friends that are not right with God than with God. 
Well, I can't say that because they won't like me anymore. And I can't do this because they won't like me anymore. And I can't say that. Well, if you keep him hauling, you're going to him haul yourself into a corner where you just, you don't know what to do. You don't know whether to breathe or not breathe, speak or not speak, walk or not walk. You're not going to be directed. You're going to be afflicted. You're not going to have peace. You're going to have anxiety. You're not going to have joy. You're going to have all kinds of turmoil. Because you don't have the boldness that comes from knowing God. The righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. When God makes you righteous, when you have the righteousness of Christ in you, you are bold as a lion. God wants to do a work in the church today, and I'm telling you, in the last days, God is going to raise up a church that is fearless He's going to raise up a church that is courageous, and he's going to raise up a church that is not selfish. Well, I don't like green. Now, let's go do some Holy Ghost fighting. No, it don't work that way. Oh, no, that's not my color. My color's not blue. All right, let's go out and witness. No, it don't work that way. You see, in order for us to be effective in the kingdom of God, we've got to let self go. And let the Spirit of God do what He needs to do in us. Let the Spirit of God do what He needs to do in us. Now, this part I see here is that there's some people that would rather profit in the things of men than in the things of God. Some people would rather profit in the things of men than in the things of God. How many times have we been there, right? How many times have we been there? Now, I want to contrast this with the doorkeeper. Turn with me to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. You see, when James and John had made this request for popularity, for accolades, for prestige, the Lord gently, gently landed that thing. But I believe that that thing, that that desire for prestige and for accolades and for popularity is running rampant inside many of the church today. And I just want you to know that God has better for us than the applause of men. There's something far greater than the applause and love of men. There's something far greater than the adoration of men. Look, if one person likes you, that's fine. But if no people like you, that's fine too. Come on. If, if heaven is for you, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is with you, what does it matter who's against you? If, 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 God, if God is for you, that's what matters. And I'm telling you, God's for you. He went to the cross for you. He paid the price that had separated you from him. He paid that price for you. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling you to himself. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself through the cross. So yes, God is for you. He loves you. But as we just read, Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, take up your cross, deny yourself. And that's the hard part. Because our self exists in this carnal, temporal world. And Jesus tells us to come to the end of self. To let it be buried. 
Just like he buried that, that body. He allowed that body to be buried. He allowed that blood to flow. He allowed it to flow all the way out till there was no blood left. And he's calling on us to let go of ourself in the same way. Let go of every, every opinion. Let go of every selfish desire. Let go of every bit of self. And come to the end of self. And let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Ghost resurrect us. Let the Holy Ghost impart to us new life. Let the Holy Ghost create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Let the Holy Ghost make a new person out of you. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're not supposed to be Frankenstein, half alive and half dead, half for God and half for men. We're supposed to be all dead to self and all alive by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the church, the church's desire for popularity is running carnage on the bride of Christ. Because I want to tell you, you may, think that, you may think that your compromise isn't costing anybody, but people watch. And if you compromise, and if you, if you know what to do right and you don't do it, it's sin according to the Word of God. He that knows to do right and doesn't do it is sin according to the Word of God. And when you know what the right thing to do is, but you shrink back from it to, to save your hide, people are watching. God's watching. God's watching. And the world's watching. I want to tell you something. I said this in the morning service. I love this quote from D.L. Moody, but he said, 99 people out of 100 will not read the word of God, but they will read you. And I want you to know something. The world's waiting on a church that's alive. They've, they, they've seen compromise. They've seen sacrilege. They've seen a sacrilegious church. They've seen uh, a priest that abused children. They, they've seen churches that sing secular songs. They've seen churches that have service in a beer barn. They've seen everything under the sun. But has this generation seen a church that's alive by the power of the Holy Ghost? People in your life are, they, now look, whenever you begin to live for God, people that don't want to live for God, if you go to a level that they're not at, they're going, to, they're going to try to knock you off your high horse. Well, you don't have to be that excited. You don't have to clap that hard. You don't have to jump that high. You don't have to sing that loud. You don't have to preach that hard. You don't have to do that much. Because when you go to a level they're not willing to go and they don't want to pay that cost, they get convicted. And rather than being challenged and get right with God and pursue God harder, they want to drag you down to their level. As my mom said, one bad apple will spoil a bunch. That rotten apple will bring other apples down to his rotten state. So you have to watch out for that. Surround yourself with people that are, that are, that are burning for God. I want to be around people that are pressing in that are pushing forward. I want to be around pioneers. I want to be around people that are full of the Spirit of God, that are zealous for God, that desire God, not men. Iron sharpens iron. Amen? Iron sharpens iron. So if, 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 that, if, if that is one of the things that I believe the world is waiting on is a church alive. They haven't seen it. 
Now, maybe they saw it over here, they saw it over there, but what about in our community? Has our community seen a church alive? Not willing to compromise. Willing to hold that line. Yeah, there's a tension. Spirit of truth. Amen? There's a, there's a tension there. You're going to be Pentecostal, you're going to get talked bad about. You're going to get run through the mud. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is what sets, is what sets the church alive. The Spirit of God is what helps us. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says it's the Spirit of God that lifts up a standard against him. It is the Spirit of Jehovah God that will raise up a standard in this generation. It is not religious rituals. It is not, it is not cracking a whip on folks. It's the Spirit of God from the inside out. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit clothing you with power from on high that will raise up a standard in our generation that this world can't say anything against but will compel them to come to the cross and be saved. That's, that, that is the tension. You want to be Pentecostal. Comes with a cost. Amen. Comes with a cost. It costs you yourself first. And it'll cost you, it'll cost you your reputation second. Amen. My brother Ravenhill said reputation and character is two different things. Reputation is what the world thinks about you. Character is what God knows is about you. I'd rather have good character than a good reputation anyways. Let them talk. God knows the truth. Let them talk. God knows the truth. So, like I said, it is the spirit of God that we need in the church because the, the, the world is looking for a church alive and, and, and the spirit of God is what raises up that standard against the enemy. How many of you, let's just testify. The, the, the enemy's coming in like a flood in our nation and in, our, in the churches. The enemy's coming in like a flood. And it, 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 it's, it's, we're, not waiting on the, we're not waiting on a politician or a preacher. We're not re- waiting on a Sunday school program or the right, the right curriculum. We're not re- waiting on our favorite teacher to write a commentary about systematic this. And we're not, we're not waiting on another conference. And we're not waiting on a DVD to come out. We just need to come to the cross, let go of self, and let the Holy Ghost have his way. And God will start a fire in us that the world can't stop. God will start a fire in us that the world can't quench. God God will do a work in us. God will do a work in us that no demon in hell can deny. Now, the, the key to it is Psalm 84, I believe. The key to it is Psalm 84. This, this is the, the, the doorkeeper. Psalm 84. We're going to read a few verses in this psalm, but the the whole thing, I believe, is one of the catalysts that we're going to see in in, in the last days. Look at this. Look at the difference. I, I just want to point this out. Look at the difference between this and in the request that James and John erroneously made. How amiable, verse 1, Psalm 84, how amiable, that means loving, lovable. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow has found a house, 
and to swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. You see, the writer of this psalm is telling you that the altars, just like the sparrow will build a nest and make it her home, just like a bird will build a nest somewhere and say, that's mine. This psalmist is saying, those altars, that's mine. Those altars, that's where I live. Those altars is my home. That's where I know who I am. That's where I know whose I am. That's where the truth reigns supreme. That's where I can let everything else go. That's where I can be made new. That's where the dirt is washed away and the cleansing power of the Spirit comes. Oh, just like the bird finds that nest and says, that's my home. I want, I want my soul to be the same way with that altar in God's house. Amen? That's why we don't, that's why we don't serve buffet drinks and, and food on our altars. Altars, that's where, that's where the soul gets right with God. That's where the soul gets right with God. Said the sparrow found a house and the swallow a nest. Now look at verse 4. It says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy, in thy house. They will be still praising thee. When do they stop? They still praise him. But it's 10 o'clock. They still praise him. It's Tuesday. They still praise him. They lost their job. They're still praising. Their health went down. They're still praising. Their family run them off. They still praising. Through every up and every down, through every crooked turn, they are still praising because they're in the house of God. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Is about that heart desiring to be where? With God. In God's house. In his courts. Worshiping the king. That's where... Our soul belongs. That's where our spirit is refreshed. Just like that bird finds that nest, the soul that belongs to God will find an altar. And you see what's beautiful about this is he says, blessed are they that dwell in the house. They, then, so it's not those that visit, but those that dwell that will still be praising thee. Come on now. If, if, if you got to fill out a visitor card every time you come to church, you're not dwelling there. <laughs> but it is, it is those that dwell in the, in the house of God. And, 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 and I don't mean just a church building. I mean, in, in your, 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 you know, you can go to the court of God in your prayer closet. You shouldn't need a visitor card to fill out in your prayer closet. That'd be a bad sign. It's a good sign you're going in, though. But look what he says, though. Those that dwell there will still be praising. That means even when it's raining, I'm still going to be praising. Why? Because I found something more beautiful than being worried about the rain. I found something more beautiful than being worried about the things of this life. If I dwell in the court of God, if I dwell in his house, if I dwell in his tabernacle, it doesn't matter. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. 
uphill, downhill, sideways, backways. It don't matter which ways. I'm still going to be praising God because I dwell in His house. No matter what comes against me, there's going to be a spirit within me that's crying out to God, Holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. See, that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing. Now, now, read this next verse, verse 5. It says, Blessed is a man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. You see where we find strength? Our strength is in God. Our strength is not in the things of this life or in the things of this world. Your strength, if, you're, if you find strength in something that's not in God's house, it is going to break. It's going to fail you. God, God told Israel, he rebuked Israel hard on this one. Because whenever they got into a bind, they would sometimes run down to Egypt for help. He said, if you put your hand on that staff, it's going to stab you. You put your weight on that thing, it's going to get you. It's going to fail you. When you lean on the arms of flesh, it will break. But if God is your strength, if God is your strength, you can say, as the word of God says, if God be for you, who can be against you? No matter what comes against you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. No matter what battle it is, you know that your God is bigger because your strength doesn't come from self and it doesn't come from men. It doesn't come from Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't come from your bank, how much money you got, how much money you don't got. It don't come from your health. It don't come from your finances or your friends, your popularity, or your influence with others. It comes from God. Your strength, listen, your strength comes from God. Your strength don't come from pastor. Your strength don't come from your church. Your strength don't come from your denomination. Your strength don't come from anyone else but God and God alone. That's where your strength comes from. And if you find strength in anything other than that, you're setting yourself up for disaster. And so... Now we want to. Now we're going to get to this main part. I want to get to, and and and, and you see this um, playing out is as we reflect on what James and John asked. Can we ask one thing? Sure, ask one thing. Who won the world? Why didn't our team win the World Series? It's similar. I want to sit on your right, and he wants to sit on your left. We want to be. We want to be right next to you in your glory. Okay. Jesus said no. But the reality is this. A lot of people want the same notoriety. A lot of people do. Because if things don't go their way, they get huffy and puffy. Right? Because we haven't come to the end of self. Now let's look at verse number 10. Well, let's, let's read verse 9, and then we'll read 10. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, I want to talk to you about something. One day with God is far better 
than a whole lifetime without him. Come on, if you've got a testimony, you know that's true. One day, your worst day with God is better than your best day in the world. One day in God's court is better than a thousand elsewhere. Look at the ratio of that. And yet, and yet we have people in the church They don't even want to come to the house of God. Don't want to even come to the prayer closet with God. Don't even want to come and get right with God. They just want a form of religion. They want a form of godliness. They don't want the power that comes with it. They don't want the cost that is associated with it. They just want the sticker that says, I went to Sunday school. The reality is this. Far too often we've let that go. And all we're doing is costing ourselves, costing ourselves what God has for us. Costing ourselves what God has for us. One day in the court of God is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I want you to look at that. It said, he said, I'd rather, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And you know what a, a, the doorkeeper is? Low on the totem pole. The doorkeeper was low on the totem pole. In this context, in this context, the doorkeeper is the last one. The doorkeeper, I want to tell you something about the doorkeeper. There's a few characteristics about a doorkeeper you might not have thought of. The doorkeeper is not able to partake of the air conditioning. The doorkeeper doesn't really care what the thermostat's on. The doorkeeper really doesn't care what color the carpet is because he's just there at the door. The, 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 the doorkeeper has no opinion at all about where the picture is on the wall because the, door, the doorkeeper is just there at the door, very low on the totem pole. It doesn't matter what the thermostat's on. It doesn't matter what the color of the carpet is. It don't matter who's on the right hand. It doesn't matter who's on the left hand. It doesn't matter how many people are seated at the first table. It don't matter how many people are seated at the tenth table. I thought I was going to sit at that table. When I got to heaven, I thought I was going to sit here, not there. See, a doorkeeper don't have opinion about that. Doorkeeper ain't sitting. The doorkeeper's just standing there. At, at the court of God, in the doorway, in that threshold. Very low on the totem pole. We don't have an opinion about those things because we're not, we're not where the others are. But at least we're in the court of God. Amen? Well, one of the, one, one, one of the things that we see, though, is that the, the, the doorkeeper is not worried about those things. They're not worried about who's sitting where, who's sitting in what chair, who's preeminent and who's not preeminent. Who got more food on their plate? Who's having to wash dishes? You know, you, you, you have a dinner. We always let, you know, elderly and children eat first. In, in the kingdom of heaven, it's not going to matter. Well, why can't I eat first? I've been waiting in line for so long. But a doorkeeper has no opinion of that. You see, that, that, was, the, that was the part that I believe James and John missed. See, a, a, a doorkeeper don't really care who sits where. Y- y'all going to fight over who's sitting at that table. I'm just glad I'm here. I'm just glad I'm here. 
A doorkeeper is just glad that they're there. But, you know, when we've given ourselves over to carnal things and we've given ourselves over to popularity and prestige, we're fighting over who's sitting next to who. I want to sit next to David. I want to sit next to Matthew. I'm just glad I'm there. That's what he's saying. The doorkeeper. So what are, what are the other things? The doorkeeper's not, not worried about who gets what, who gets what accolades, who has so many crowns, who don't, who, who got this reward and who didn't. Well, they wouldn't have got that reward if it wasn't for me, Lord. That's not going to happen in heaven. It happens in the church, though. They wouldn't be where they were if, they, if it weren't for me. That's not going to happen in heaven. Why should it happen in the church? Why should it happen in the church? You see, a lot of times we, 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 we relegate ourselves to the carnal because we're worried about somebody parked in our spot, somebody sitting in our chair. I wouldn't have done it like this. I would have done it like that. I don't really care for that. I mean, if they would have done this, I, I, I wouldn't have. You see that I, I think. I'm not. It's that, that self comes right back. It goes all the way back to what Jesus said. If you're going to come after him, take up your cross and deny yourself. It's not about you denying myself. It's not about you denying me or you denying your neighbor. It's about you saying no to you and coming after Jesus. That's when, it's, it, that's when your opinions and what you think the thermostat should be and who you think should sit where just goes. Well, I, I just don't think it's right that, you know, we, we, we got to do it this way. Well, you know, that's, that's not how we do it where I come from. See, our, our opinions have got to fall so that the Spirit of God can rise, so that the Spirit of God can lift up that standard against the enemy. Our opinions, our self, have to fall so that God can do a work in the church today. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church at large. I hope you know that. But I want you to know that God wants to do a work in the church at large because we have to get our house in order. We have to get our house in order because time is short. And I don't know, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, Jesus is coming back next month. I'm not going to sit there and say that. It may be 200 more years. But I know this, we all have a date with death. Whether it's in the rapture or whether it's just natural causes. But we all are going to have to lay down flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The body you got now is not the body that's going to be in there. Amen. There's coming a day when flesh and blood's going to lay down and flesh and spirit's going to rise up. What a day that'll be. And on that day, it won't matter what color the walls are. It won't matter what the thermostat is set on. It won't matter if... If people do what you don't like or people like what you don't do, it won't matter if they parked in your spot. It won't matter if they sat in your chair. It won't matter. What will matter if you're there? If you're there, that's what will matter. The doorkeeper 
So here's what I want you to see as we close. This is what I want you to see. The doorkeeper is not worried about the thermostat, who's sitting where, who's on the right, who's on the left, who got more food, who got more rewards, who got to go in line first, who has to go last. The doorkeeper don't care about any of that. All he cares about is who's in and who's out. And the doorkeeper is more excited, not over the thermostat or the color of the walls or the carpet, but he's more excited about this one thought. I made it. I made it. And instead of complaining about rewards and paint and thermostats, the the doorkeeper is just shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I made it. Hallelujah! I made it. That's what the doorkeeper does. That's the characteristics of a doorkeeper. Doorkeeper is not worried about who's sitting at the right or left of Jesus. But a doorkeeper is shouting hallelujah from way back there. Well, how would that be if you saw that in glory? Jesus on the throne saying, I hear hallelujah all the way back there in the back at the door. Who's that? That's just me, Lord. I'm just happy to be here. But that's the doorkeeper. The doorkeeper has fallen in love with the court of God. He said in the first verse, how amiable, how amiable, how lovely is your house, God. How lovely is your house. It's better to be here one day than a thousand away from you, God. And nobody can take that away from you. And only God can give it to you. Only God can give it to you. Amen? Amen. Lord, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power. Thank you for the spirit that is at work in the church tonight, God. Lord, I pray that you would put on us just an urgency, Lord, to get our house in order, to to, to be made right, to to come to you, Lord, and, and that you would cleanse us of the filthiness of the flesh. That you would cleanse us, Lord, and, and renew our heart and renew our mind. That you would transform us, Lord. That you will wash us, cleanse us. Lord, we pray that, that we would not give, give credence to the carnal. We would not give more weight to popularity with men. But Lord, we would fall in love with you again. And we would desire to say as this doorkeeper, how amiable is your house. How lovely is your house, oh God. How lovely. Lord, I bless you tonight. I pray that you bless your people, Lord. Let the word be sealed in our heart, God. In Jesus' name.